0: Raw truth stories of female infidelity may contain explicit and objectionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice by a licensed therapist. Listener discretion is advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected temptation anger depression loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back facing judgment and isolation a person can feel very alone these are the voices of women who chose to cheat on their spouses or partners hear their stories this is raw truth stories of female infidelity welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. My name is Rebecca and I am the creator and host of this wonderful yet controversial podcast. Of course I say wonderful because it has been helping so many ladies out there and even men and it just makes my heart so warm to know that this podcast has really been making a difference and so I wanted to say Thank you all for all your support and everything you've been doing. It looks like we're going to keep going with this and see how far we can take it. Today we'll be listening to a story from Samantha, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But one thing she wrote on her story at the very top was how she feels, and I think this is her um, expressing how she feels about herself, And it says, went from overachieving wife and mother to scumbag worthless woman seemingly overnight. Now, I don't know Samantha personally, but I can guarantee she is not a scumbag worthless woman. And maybe she made some choices that weren't good. But that doesn't mean she's a horrible person. And it breaks my heart that women feel this way when they make mistakes. And yes, like I always say, I don't condone the infidelity. I don't make up excuses for the things that I did. But I don't judge. And, you know, there are so many people out in this world that make mistakes. And it's okay to give yourself a little grace. If you are accountable for it, if you own up to the things that you've done, if you really want to change and make a difference, then it'll happen. But absolutely, you know, no need to put yourself down before we do get to Samantha's story, I did want to read an article. I did find this article on yourtango.com. It is entitled How to Survive an Emotional Affair When Betrayal and Infidelity Rock Your Marriage. And it looks like it is by Mary Ellen Goggin and Jerry Duberstein experts um, from Love Heartbreak. And it was published March 29th of 2020. Overcome emotional betrayal, whether you're the betrayed or the spouse who strayed. Everyone has an unspoken standard regarding fidelity in marriage and relationships. Regardless of whether the couple discusses their beliefs and expectations before tying the knot, they have them. For most couples, the thought of getting over sexual infidelity is unbearable but surviving emotional infidelity in marriage can be just as painful, sometimes even more so. What is it about an emotional affair that is so hard to wrap our heads around? And why does surviving emotional infidelity in a marriage feel as gut-wrenching as surviving sexual infidelity? What is an emotional affair? Understanding emotional infidelity starts with understanding intimacy. Underlying intimacy is a mutual vulnerability, the willingness to share what might otherwise feel uncomfortable or risky. Intimate people feel safe with their vulnerability, and they make vulnerability safe for the other person. Emotional cheating refers to the behavior that one partner engages in, which fosters emotional intimacy in the here and now with someone else, and sometimes promotes the possibility of sexual intimacy in the future. The biggest challenge to recognizing and preventing emotional infidelity is that it can be so insidious in its onset and progress because it doesn't involve sex. Thus, the developing intimacy may fly under the radar of detection in a marriage. There is no put-your-finger-on-it-aha moment of proof to make it clear that you are dealing with an affair. Even the involved parties may not recognize the slow boil of emotional cheating taking place. They may be co-workers, neighbors, or old high school flames reconnecting through social media. No harm, no foul, right? Right. But suddenly, there is the onset of those old familiar feelings, the same ones that once made you long for the constant company of your spouse. You can't wait to share your experiences, emotions, and perspectives. You seek out this other person's opinions, thoughts, advice, and laughter. You subordinate your spouse's significance and make this other person your first choice for connection. In a split second, you choose, often without realizing you are making a choice and you quote, innocently reach for somebody else. You can disguise it as coffee, work over lunch, or simply quote, checking in. But deep inside, you know the needle on your moral compass is pulling to the wrong side. You're cheating, even if you didn't mean to. The danger is that one half of emotional affairs lead to sexual infidelity. When you and your spouse dated, you didn't think in terms of an affair because you were building a relationship. You were willingly and happily doing the vulnerability dance. You reveal a little and then your partner does too and deeper into love you fall. You weren't thinking ahead to the possibility of surviving emotional infidelity. In marriage, sharing emotions and being vulnerable build and maintain trust. So, finding someone who wanted to know your deepest thoughts was a prelude to forever, the formation of a special bond. Once you have committed to forever, the rules of engagement change when it comes to people outside the marriage. They have to because intimacy is built in the same way, regardless of who's building it. Your marital commitment is to nourish, deepen, and preserve intimacy with your spouse and protect it against possible trespasses from the outside. And therein lies the difficulty in detection, especially after years of marriage and the onset of boredom and frustration. You can learn how to get over an emotional affair and heal the heartbreak. If you are involved in a marriage suffering from an emotional affair, there are things you need to know about surviving this betrayal. When someone feels threatened by a friendship between their spouse and someone else, the response of the spouse is critical. If they dismiss the suspicion as an infringement on a personal right quote, to have friends, the hurt spouse can end up suffering alone. Surviving emotional infidelity in marriage starts with a mutual commitment to the good of the marriage. That means if one spouse feels threatened, the other spouse takes that discomfort seriously. Emotional affairs rely on secrecy as much as sexual affairs do. The person engaged in the relationship keeps it as a personal entitlement and denies access to his spouse and therein lies the threat to essential trust in a marriage. So, examine your, quote, friendship for signs of emotional infidelity. If you are the spouse having an emotional affair, it's essential for you to be honest about what your friendship is providing, because when trust is broken, it can be difficult to get back. Are there things missing in your marriage that you are seeking elsewhere? Has your communication with your spouse lost its intimacy? Have you and your spouse become complacent in your marriage? Willingness to do a fearless self-examination is essential for surviving emotional infidelity in marriage. After all, you hold the key to a relationship that your spouse can't, quote, prove, yet decisively feels like a threat. Seeking emotional intimacy outside of the marriage is a red flag in and of itself, but if you can resist the allure into deeper soulful exploration with this person, you can open the door to a greater intimacy in your marriage. The temptation to keep emotionally intimate friendship alive can be overwhelming, especially if you have convinced yourself that no sex equals no harm but acknowledging the potential for harm is the first step to surviving emotional infidelity in the marriage. Getting help with examining the meaning of your friendship and drawing you back into emotional intimacy with your spouse is the next step. The most effective way to heal a broken heart and a broken trust is through couples therapy or an intensive marriage counseling retreat that helps you focus on your marriage. Emotional affairs are a confirmation that intimacy and fulfillment aren't limited to the bedroom. They can stir up sexual feelings and even lead to sexual infidelity, but they are powerful in and of themselves. For some, an emotional affair is more heartbreaking than sexual infidelity. An emotional affair reminds us of our yearning for love and deep connection with another unshared with anyone else. Emotional infidelity constitutes a betrayal. A spouse is connecting with another person in a way reserved for their spouse in breach of the implicit understanding undergirding the marriage. Of course, the best advice for surviving emotional infidelity in marriage is not allowing it to happen in the first place. And that means having open, fearless discussions with your spouse about what constitutes infidelity. When you operate from the same playbook, you are more likely to recognize potential threats before they do damage, and you are more proactive and vigilant about nourishing emotional closeness in your marriage. That was a great article. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I got a lot out of that, and I will, of course, have the link to uh, the article in my episode notes, so if you guys want to check it out yourself, you can. What happens when a woman cheats on her spouse or partner? As with any form of infidelity, there is always pain, sadness, and collateral damage. We've listened to many stories of women sharing their own infidelity. But what does the husband or betrayed partner go through? My wife and I were together for 19 and a half years. We married on November 24th, 2001. Six months later, during the same two week period that we were creating our youngest son, she had an affair with one guy three different times. She said it was because I wasn't telling her she was beautiful often enough, and it was someone that she had known before we had even been dating and was attracted to him, but she had never had the chance to sleep with him. She didn't tell me about this for a year and a half, and she also told me that she had been with 21 men prior to us meeting. To hear the full story and more stories about the betrayed partner's side of the affair or being the other woman or other man, subscribe to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelities Patreon. With a $3 a month pledge, you will have access to these bonus episodes, plus have early access to regularly released episodes. Visit RawTruthStoriesOfFemaleInfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link to subscribe today. Let's read a little bit more about Samantha. As a child, I would wish and dream for a loving husband and beautiful, happy family. At first, I got what I dreamed about. I would honestly tell everyone that I had a fairy tale love with my husband, a bond that's unbreakable, unshakable. He was my best friend, my lover, my soulless. Funny how life changes as we maneuver the twists and turns of adulthood that throws you. I was 16 when I met my husband. He was 21. Taboo now, but then it was perfection. It was bliss. We married after 5 years of being together and soon after had our son. We bought our first house. We had great careers. I became pregnant again and it was a girl seemed perfection was just growing. She was a surprise. My pregnancy was very difficult and at 8 months, I stopped feeling her move. It was confirmed at the doctors that she had passed away. No reason, no answers. The next day I delivered her silently, honestly one of the hardest days of our lives. A few years later, we had another baby girl. She was born crying and seemingly healthy. Shortly after her birth, we discovered many health issues, and the next several years was a whirlwind of hospital visits and doctor's appointments. Within that time, we had two more pregnancies, two more girls. I stayed focused on my family, on my career, and the juggling act that was required. Our marriage was still good, but not the focus for either of us. We were told our daughter is on the autism spectrum within these years, on top of all of her health issues. It hit me hard but made me feel like I could research and research and research to help her cope with some of her behaviors and challenges she had. I became engrossed in having a special needs child and being a special needs mama. I got this. I can do this. But it felt like I was the only one trying to help her trying to understand what she needs from us, from society for her to be happy in life. That's all any parent wants for their child. But she wasn't capable of doing that on her own and she needed my help. With all of this, I had little ones that needed me also. Many sleepless nights, nursing infants and trying to help our autistic daughter sleep. She would stay awake all night most nights. It was lonely, but I was hyper-focused on my kids and my duty as a wife and mother. What changed? Depression. Over-medicated both of us. My husband's career was glowing for so long. He was on top of his game. Then another company bought the company out. It changed from the jump. He hated work. He was more stressed, more limited on family time. Then he just became an angry, bitter man. He has always had anger issues, but controlled it well. He was out of control now, yelling all the time, yelling at the kids, yelling at the dogs. I felt like I had to protect my kids from his wrath. I would gently talk to him later when he was calm. Explain his behavior. He hated it. He saw it too, but couldn't control it. His blood pressure was always high. He started drinking every night. It was okay in the beginning because he was nice when he was drunk. He was loving but then it became a crutch. The only way for him to deal with the day's stresses was to crack open a beer which would become 12 to 18 beers in a night. He would still go to work the next day still function without drinking during the day, but he was bitter every step of the way. It was unattractive to me, seeing my husband barely able to walk and wanting to listen to music and essentially party every evening. I just wanted to watch TV or movies and vegetate when our kids were in bed. Drinking became a priority for him. I would try to initiate sex with him but he would shrug me off if he had a beer left. It would hurt my ego. It made me feel unattractive. I stopped wearing makeup. I stopped dressing nice. We started fighting a lot and he nearly punched me one time. Our son saw this and was about to call the police. It was very bad. Then without warning he stepped down at his job. He took a pay cut of almost half his salary. We had a family of six. I was in shock, but I remained supportive, hoping it would help him stop being the angry man he was. I shifted my focus to helping him, taking him to the doctor to get his blood pressure under control, taking him to the doctor for an antidepressant, trying so hard to get my husband back. It seemed to not help at all. We tried going happy places as a family. My one Mother's Day wish was to have a good family day at a park. It was crowded and he becomes very anxious in crowded places. He lashes out and curses at people that bother him. It was embarrassing. I was ashamed. Within this time, our daughter was diagnosed with being intellectually disabled most likely needing to be in an independent living facility when she is older. It was a hard thing to hear, hard thing to wrap my brain around. It is still tough, but at that time it was earth-shattering. I then began to sink into the black hole of depression and bad. We had no money, couldn't barely feed the kids. I was going to food banks so our kids' bellies would be full. I had nothing left to give anyone. I stopped trying to help my husband and he sunk deeper. I sunk deeper and then we were within months of losing our house and our family car. Any money we had went to feeding the kids and keeping the lights on. We made too much for government help but not enough to keep a roof over our kids' heads. I gave up on everything. I gave up on my family and myself. Then I met someone on the internet. A stranger who told me all the right things to make me feel human again. Made me feel desired and beautiful. It became an addiction. I needed to feel something. My husband and I hadn't been intimate for nine months at that point. I didn't even think I could be sexual anymore until the stranger entered my life. Most our interaction was online or through texts. Then one day he was in town and we met. I physically cheated on my husband with this man. I had only been with my husband 20 years before the stranger. It was so dangerous. I see that now. I can't believe I put myself at risk and no one knew where I was for that entire day. No one. I felt alive again though, until I came back to reality. The months after, the stranger and I only chatted via text, but I had a need for more. I was on the prowl to feel that way again. I talked to a couple men online, but ended up meeting with another stranger we will call him stranger too. He was also married. He was nice, and he made me feel beautiful. Made me feel alive again. During this time, my husband noticed me being a little more distant. I'm not sure how he noticed. He was usually sleeping if he wasn't at work. He didn't participate in any of the family activities or holidays anymore. He would just sleep all the time. But he became a detective and was able to read some explicit texts between me and stranger number one and calls with stranger number two. He called me out on it when I was napping one day. He demanded I leave the house. He could not even look at me. He called me a whore, etc. Our son heard it all. I left and stayed with family an hour away. I thought it was the end of our marriage. For months, I would visit my kids every night after work. Take them for a few hours to the pool or park. Every time I pulled out from our driveway, I would cry. The kids would cry when I left. My husband and I talked a lot on the phone, hours upon hours of talking. Civil, he was forced to be a present parent because I wasn't there anymore. He cried a lot and I honestly was shocked he was so heartbroken. I told him I didn't think I loved him anymore, but with time and a lot of talking we started to reconnect. Starting to make love and it was beautiful magical. We agreed for me to come back home and try and start a new chapter together while working through all of our misgivings. He took responsibility for his part in our decline and I did for mine. I fought for our marriage for so many years but it was a one-sided fight. I finally felt like he was fighting for our marriage too. Today we are just a few months short of a year from the discovery day. It has been a really hard thing to work through for both of us. All our friends and family know what I did. All of them have cut ties with me. No one could believe that I would do such a horrible thing. I once was that perfect wife. Perfect mother, perfect woman. All that is gone now. It's a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to know that people think you're a scumbag but I'm trying really hard to make a happy life for my family and my husband. I'm also trying to focus on my happiness. I know without a doubt that my husband is the man for me. I never stopped loving him. I just didn't love the man he had become. My husband is pretty stuck on my betrayal. It's with him all the time. I'm not sure he will ever be happy with me again. There are glimmers or happy days. I just want to put it behind us, but I know it isn't that easy. I want to be supportive and help him through it, but I feel like I can't sometimes. I'm the one that caused him the sadness. How can I fix it? Sometimes I will be going about my day happy and lovingly hug him or kiss him, and I can see his sadness when he looks at me. It's like any happiness bubble I have is popped and I'm reminded again how much of a horrible person I am. He still says he desperately wants to tell me that he forgives me, but the fact is he hasn't. I wonder all the time if he would have been better off without me back home. I don't know what our future will be, no one does. I never would have thought we would be in this situation. Never in a million years would I have ever thought I was capable of destroying my husband and family, but here I am. Samantha, you wrote this story wonderfully, and I just want to say to you that it is obvious to me that you are taking full accountability for the things you did. And you're owning up to it. And you're proving that you just want your life and your family and your husband. And yes, it's going to take a long time for him to get over it. But it can happen as long as you continue to be open and transparent. But he also has to willing to forgive at some point and when it's forgiven he does need to put it behind he can't use it as any sort of a tool to throw back at you when he's angry he needs to be able to also acknowledge which it sounds like he did that he in a sense was unfaithful to you in a way of emotional stability with his alcoholism and the way he abandoned the situation. So I'm not saying an eye for an eye here. I'm not saying, well, it's fine, you cheated because he did this, but we as humans, especially women, we look for that emotional connection. And if the person we love the most is making us feel like we're invisible or making us feel like our feelings or what's going on in our souls are of no interest to them, that I think we tend to fall down a rabbit hole because there's only so much one can do when they're trying to get their spouse's attention. We only live once and we all deserve to feel important and feel happy and feel beautiful. And you took your you, you, you made your choice by stepping out, and I've done it, I did it, I understand, and most of these listeners, they get it, and they understand, and nobody is judging you for that at all, and I just hope that you are allowing yourself to heal and forgive yourself as well, and for me personally, I think of that is what held me on to so many regrets for so long was that I didn't allow myself to forgive myself. And I have been working on that, and I have gotten much better on that. And now I can say, you know what? I fucked up. This was poor choices on my part. And it's taken years, but I can't forever and ever hold that against myself, because I'm not doing myself any favors for healing. You're not doing your family any favors either, because then you're having to put on an act to make it look like everything is great when in your heart, you still feel that distance from your husband, and I hope that he will open up to you. And maybe the more you talk about it, maybe if he learns some of the details, which is always hard to give, but if he asks, you know, it's important that you tell him these details, because that might be part of what he needs to hear in order to understand and process his grieving of what happened. Um, So I know I'm going on and on. I just can see you are a wonderful person and you have worked so hard to get to where you are. And I just want you to know that it's okay. What you did, you made a mistake. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to be able to move forward. And so does he if he wants to stay in the marriage because it's of no good for him to be better still over all of this But keep you there under that roof and it's not healthy for you or the children or him so there's my dollar 25 worth not 10 cents or five cents um i i really felt um like i could understand your story some of the points that you made i could relate to and it was really hard for me to even read and even talk about it here without wanting to tear up because i know what you're feeling and you are still a perfect woman you are still a perfect mother in the sense that we are as perfect as we can be. Because we know nobody is perfect. We're all human. And we're all going to make errors and we're all going to stub our toe. So please forgive yourself. Okay. And let's just hope that you can find that happiness and peace again in your life and in your marriage. Thank you all for tuning in today for Samantha's story. And you know, a lot of people can probably relate to her story and if you can or if you've been unfaithful to your husband, your boyfriend, your partner or if you were if you if you're a man whose wife has been unfaithful or his girlfriend, you know, if you've been the other woman, if you've been the other man, or if you're a man who has been unfaithful and he wants to share his story you know what send it in please I would love to welcome all stories and you know I have my midweek ponder as well where we just ponder topics like of course infidelity or whatever comes to mind if somebody has an idea and they send it my way I'll look into it let's look at articles or statistics or talk about it because that's what we're just pondering and kind of discussing it. It doesn't always have to be about infidelity, but you know, it's just part of what my whole theme of my show is. But anything, please feel free to email me to Truth at gmail.com. And you can also visit my website at Infidelity.com and there you can submit your stories as well you can listen to episodes and if you're interested in those bonus episodes where you get all sorts of good extra stories um, you can actually subscribe to the patreon from my website so this has been a great episode i hope everybody has a great day everybody stays happy and healthy and always remember no judgment Goodbye.